I'll ask you to turn to him to, to, turn <laughs> to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. I do that more for those of you that are a little bit newer. I do that more often than you would know. Unbelievable habits. Psalm 92 is where we're going to read tonight, and we're going to follow along uh, there in the scriptures. And one of the things uh, I'll be honest with you, early on, uh, I've found it very difficult to uh, to really study the Psalms. Uh, the historical books are very easy for me to follow. I enjoy history and being able to see things uh, that way. Uh, I, I've read the Bible chronologically, and so putting it right in, in how it occurred, uh, that really helped me to, to, to wrap my head around the Bible. But early on, I, I struggle many times with the Psalms. And so I, I challenged myself to really dig into those. And one time we had a, a class where we had split classes on Thursday nights, and I was teaching a study through the book of Psalms, uh, or through several of the Psalms, uh, and I, I really thoroughly enjoyed that. And really, you know, it's one thing to, to read through the Psalm and, and look at the heart of, of the writer uh, and what they put down as perhaps a song, a song uh, but to really dig into it and understand what some of the meaning behind the words and the, the, the phrases and the, the, the different ideas that come across the figures of speech, it's very, very uh, rewarding and, and enjoyable to read through. So we can always go to the well. That is the book of Psalms, and so that's where we're going to be tonight. Uh, Psalm 92 uh, I'll encourage you uh, as well. A lot of times we do have the words and uh, the, the verses up on the screen. Uh, try not to make that a crutch. We make that available for folks that maybe, uh, maybe it's just not their habit to, to bring their Bible. Uh, but uh, for you all, I would hope that that is your habit. Uh, I hope that you are able to, to be able to come in, uh, whether you have it on, your, on, your, on a device that you can read through. I know some people do that, and certainly you can, you, you can do that. Uh, but uh, there's something about just carrying the Word of God with you to church. And so I would encourage you to do that. And that's just something on the side there that I'll throw in for you. So please uh, follow along there in the book of Psalms. If you don't have a Bible, we have a pew Bible in front of you. There are the black Bibles there. Uh, Psalm 92. And we'll, we'll, you can follow along in the scriptures uh, as, we, as we read. Let's, let's, let's read Psalm 92. And why don't we read it responsively? How about we do that? All right. So that means I'll read the first one and then together on the next. And then I'll do the next one and together on the next. So we'll do that. Uh, psalm 92, the Bible says this. A psalm or song for the Sabbath day, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. 
All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eyes also shall see my desire in mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the day. And Lord, we just ask for your blessing upon your word. And as we open it up, uh, Lord, and, and study it, Father, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, help us to understand the importance of being planted here in your house. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, I, you'll have to forgive me because uh, the 15-minute the time limit is not going to work for, for, for what we're going to study tonight. Uh, but that, that, that's a new standard. That's going to be tough to keep. But, uh, but as I said, we can always go to the well of the Psalms. Uh, the, the Hebrew name for this book is the Book of Praises. It's quoted more than 400 times in the New Testament. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this psalm just uh, in, in sections and, and talk through uh, what the passage is, is alluding to. And uh, then we'll make some uh, application uh, to us as we get to the last section there. And the idea here is the importance of being planted in the house of God. How important it is to be planted in the house of God. This inscription tells us about the psalm, a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. So when you look at that, that gives us the, the purpose or the reason or what this psalm is going to be about. And here the idea is that it's for the Sabbath day. The subject is the Sabbath. However, we don't have any indications that would help us to know who wrote it. Verse 12 refers to the house of the Lord, and there's many references that that. that would give us that would make us conclude that it could be referring to the tabernacle or it could be re, re, uh, referring to the temple worship as well. But we do not know who wrote this psalm. Some believe it was David, uh, but it is not definitive. But we'll make some application because we refer today to the church as God's house. It's not just a cute phrase or something that that. Uh, that we, someone else has come up with. It's something there in the scriptures in 1 Timothy. The Bible says that the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So as we look at this passage, we see that first our time in the house of God should involve a giving of thanks. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. How important it is for us to come to church with a heart of thanksgiving. Many times we can look at our situation and circumstances, and especially today, uh, in, in the days, and, and there's different things going on through our mind, different weights that we carry, different struggles that people are dealing with, but how important it is for us to approach the house of God with giving of thanks. 
Also, it says, sing praises unto his name. There's many names of God that are in this psalm. It makes reference to the Lord, to the Most High, God himself, just in, in that name by itself. There's many names, but we're to sing praises unto his name. And so it's important to consider that, that as we approach the house of God, this is a pattern that we follow. It's not that we uh, sing songs just because that's what church people do. No, there's a biblical example to sing praises to God. The idea here in verse 2 also talks about the, the mercies that, 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 that God shows to us, his loving kindness. Uh, we, we sing praises to his name because he shows forth his loving kindness in the morning and his faithfulness every night. Think about that. Just as we heard about this morning, God's faithfulness. In the morning, we can we, we remember that, you know, as, as much mercy as God, I, I've thought about this many times, and it's just amazing to consider that in the book of, uh, of Lamentations, it talks about God's mercies. And when we see God's mercies, he could show forth mercy all throughout the day. And then when we wake up the following morning, it's renewed. When you stop and consider, the Psalms say that his mercy endureth forever. But every morning, it's renewed. How amazing to consider the mercy of our God, his loving kindness, and to think about that in the morning, and also to think about his faithfulness in the evening. As you go home tonight, as you conclude your evening, as you prepare to, to lay down, to go to sleep, Think about that tonight, about God's faithfulness and how faithful he's been. We heard an entire message about it this morning, how important it is to remember the faithfulness of God. Then verse 3 talks about instruments and how we praise the Lord with instruments. And they make reference to instruments of ten strings, a psaltery and a harp with a solemn sound. So there's again a, a, a pattern that we see here where we are able to praise the Lord with instruments. A solemn sound, I think this would imply that how important sacred music is. What is the purpose of our music? When we look at this, our, the, the, the purpose of the music that was expressed here on the Sabbath was to praise the Lord. It wasn't for entertainment. It wasn't necessarily even to inspire. The primary purpose of the music was for God. Praise, how important it is, praise, then we see verse 4, to consider, for thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. Verse 5, O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. On that day that is consecrated to God, we should consider the works of the Lord and the works that he does in our lives and the works that he's accomplished throughout, uh, throughout nature. And it's a time, if you consider, if you think about that, that is the, the purpose of that seventh day. It was God rested for the amazing creation that was made. And for us, it's the same thing. For us to appreciate God, what God has done, what God has made, and to consider God, to take time to stop our busy lives and to be thoughtful and mindful of God and all that he does in our life. His works are great. His thoughts are very deep. 
Brother Anthony was talking a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, just regarding the, the Sabbath and, and the purpose of the Sabbath. And if you go back and you look at the purpose uh, initially as it was set out, Another thing that's implied there, when God established that and he talked about the manna and he provided that manna and he provided manna on the sixth day enough for the seventh, how important it is for us to consider on that day of rest, whether it's Sunday or on Saturday, how important it is to consider God is the one that meets our needs. So we take time and no, we, 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 we de- desire not to work on that day because we're putting our trust in the Lord that he's providing. And how important that idea is as it comes across here as we're looking at this psalm or song for the Sabbath. We need to acknowledge our reliance on God. Then as we continue on in the passage... There's this second section between verses six and ten, uh, six and eleven, that talks about our enemies. Consider that it says, a, a, "A brutish man knoweth not; neither doth a fool understand this." The enemies of God, the people outside of the walls that are uh, at a game or pursuing other things or pursuing other pleasures, pursuing their own uh, priorities on on the Lord's day, they don't understand why we're here. They don't understand why you're here on Sunday night. They don't understand those things, and those are the enemies of the, of the Lord. Then the Bible talks about the wicked springing as the grass, and when the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. Over and over again in the, in the book of Psalms, you see that there's this idea that David was concerned about how the wicked seemed to be prospering. And that topic also comes up here. When it looks like the workers of iniquity are flourishing, we'll walk through in terms of a little bit of what that means in a few minutes. That is not, that they shall be destroyed forever, the Bible says. And then it talks about, once again, praise, but thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. Lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Their end is going to be scattered, destroyed. Verses 10 through 11 there, it talks about, uh, my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. There's an idea here and there's a, some conflicting ideas because some would say that this, is a refer- this could be a reference uh, to Christ or this could be a reference to David's kingdom. There's a little bit of, of a debate there. Uh, so I didn't take a lot of time to study all that out. Uh, but verse 10 talks about this, uh, the, the, the horn uh, that God will exalt. And then verse 11, Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that, rest, that rise up against me. What is that desire? Is their destruction. Their demise. And the psalmist here is talking about his eyes are going to see his enemies destroyed, hear of their destruction. And we get to the final section here in verse 12 that is really the heart of what we're going to be talking about, the heart of this psalm. And the picture we have here in this passage in verses 12 through 15 is a picture of a tree. 
This picture we're going to describe and we're going to learn from. The idea begins about a tree being planted. Now, as I was looking at this and I was studying it, I really was fighting a little bit against it because you that are here at church on Sunday night are people that are planted in the house of God. And I appreciate that and, and, and God is pleased in that. And so this is like they say, preaching to the choir. But as we consider that, I also want to consider that there's some younger folks. There's some folks maybe that are still under the authority of their parents. And that freedom of opportunity is going to come at some point. And I, I would encourage you that I hope that you will be planted in the house of the Lord. I hope that that's something that you can walk away from this and understand the importance of being planted in the house of God. This idea begins of a tree being planted. Flourishing is pointed like, flourishing is pointing to this palm tree. This palm tree. This palm tree is very interesting because the Bible says here the righteous, there's two trees that are mentioned. The, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And these two trees, there's some interesting things that we're going to see uh, about them. The palm tree is very likely, uh, you've seen many a palm tree. If you've traveled some, uh, you will see palm trees. There's banana palms. There's coconut palms. Uh, what this reference very likely is, is in the scripture in the Middle East, in this area of the world, there are date palms. And so that is very likely the reference here. And the trees uh, of, of, of Lebanon are cedars. And the idea here, if you uh, have ever seen, the even if you consider even now, the flag of Lebanon has a tree, an evergreen tree, right on the front of it. It's something that Lebanon is known for, is these beautiful trees. And so let's just learn a little bit about these trees. The cedar tree, this just talks about how it'll grow. All right, it'll grow like a cedar. And the cedars grew very tall. If you remember uh, in the book of, of Kings, David, and there was a king in the area that commissioned uh, for building materials of the temple that Solomon was going to build. And those, uh, the lumber for that were cedars of Lebanon. It was this very important, very uh, pricey, very uh, a, a, a material that was made very that was made that made up many many things it was a carpenter's dream was this this cedar from Lebanon the cedar uh, it grew very straight it was very strong it had a scent to it but it also resisted some uh, pests or 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 that uh, being able to be destroyed uh, or, or decomposing very quickly it was also easy for a carpenter to manipulate that wood and so this idea it is why they're pointing to these trees that grow and they grew very tall and they grew uh, very strong and it was a picture that they knew what these trees these cedars of Lebanon looked like. And the same thing is for this palm tree. The palm tree, if you understand, we talked about it being a date palm, it, it bears fruit. The palm tree also, as we understand them, and you and I have all seen the, the pictures of, of when a hurricane comes through, the, pen, the, the palm trees that you see, they can handle wind. They bend but they don't break. 
And the palm trees, the root systems, they're not like your normal root systems where they're tap roots that go straight down. They, they grow into this like a, almost like a spaghetti and their root systems are actually strengthened in storms. The palm tree, as you know, can grow in very extreme, extreme weather. It can also grow in the desert. The palm tree can still grow upward even if it's being weighed down. Planted gives the idea of being rooted, being rooted. And we need to be rooted, planted in the house of God. The idea of being established. Of course, many of you that have planted, that have planted even small plants, you understand that there's a certain preparation that needs to take place in the soil. You want that soil to be ready to receive what you're planting uh, we, I don't, even, I can't even remember what year it was, but planted several, a uh, thousand fifty trees out on that property, and there was a preparation that occurred there, and there was also we made sure that they were established, that they were planted, and that there was those those guards to protect against uh, pests like the deer coming and eating those those trees when they were very small saplings and very thin. And now some of, uh, they're huge. They're, I mean, we've talked about it uh, several times before, uh, how tall those trees have gotten. Those trees are established. But we, what we want to understand from this passage is that being planted leads to flourishing. This is one of those passages that pastor talks about, that it's, it's God alliterated it for us, all right? And so if you look at this in this passage, verses 12 through 15, you'll see that being planted leads to flourishing, being planted leads to fruitfulness, and being planted leads to fullness. The last F in the Bible is actually fat, and we'll explain why that's fullness, but that wasn't going to be the point that we put in there, right? Being planted leads to flourishing. Flourishing, if you understand that, it means to bloom, the tree is in optimal conditions to, bloom, to blossom. It has the right soil. It has a water source with plenty of water. If you look at this passage there in verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. These are trees that are flourishing. How important it is to flourish. And it says in verse 13, Those that be planted... In the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. That idea of flourishing and in the courts of our God, it gives me the idea of there being the proper environment for growth. Now let's take a moment and let's consider this, all right? This could be referring to the tabernacle. This could be referring to the temple. But the reference here was the courts. Does anyone know what the courts, what was in the courts? People. And the idea here of the courts, we can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as like a king's court, the people that are around the king, and that certainly can be applied here. But when we're talking about the, the house of our God, there's people in the courts, and if you're going to be flourishing in the courts of God, that means there's an environment that promotes growth. If you're planted, if you're kind of following where I'm going, if you're planted in the house of God, you're going to be in an environment with people in the courts that promote growth. 
and the people that are going to be promoting that growth for you to be established, for you to blossom, are the people that are planted, that are planted firmly. And we stop and we think for a moment of just even things like our, our discipleship program that has been going on for a couple years now. And there's people in the church that are growing, that are flourishing, that are growing in the Lord and their understanding because they're established and they're locked into the word of God, understanding what the Bible teaches. How important it is to be planted in those things. It's an environment that promotes growth. There's enough room for that tree to take root. It's rooted in the right things. If you stop and consider how important it is when we look at this reference to the house of God, we need to be rooted, established, planted in the correct things, in the correct doctrine, in the correct music. All these things are contributing to the environment that promotes growth. This house of God, if you're going to be a tree planted in the house of God, you need to be rooted in an environment that promotes growth. If you, any of you are gardeners, you need to fertilize. You need to prepare that soil. You need to make sure, that what, what, what else happens when, when a, a, a tree or when a plant is first planted, there's some shock there. And you have to water it a lot initially to make sure that it gets rooted. And how important it is when someone gets planted that they're getting watered. What's the illustration that we have in the scripture of water? It's the word of God. And the people that are planted in the word of God, there needs to be We need to have that water and and have that growth. All these ideas that we, how important it is for us to be planted in the house of God. So that begs the question, are you planted? Are you a person that is promoting growth in other people? Are you one of those people? The first question is, are you planted? Are you not, you really haven't taken root in the house of God. You really haven't established yourself. It's not that you have your designated spot in the pew. It's, are you, are you in? We, you know, pastor made reference to that, to, to, to us being here. In 2007, uh, we, my wife and I, we were going through some struggles and we decided to come to church. There was the, the thing that, that we had, you know, kind of in our, in, in, that we grew up with, that we started, and we needed to get back to basics. So we're like, all right, we need to find a church. So she grew up in a Presbyterian church, so we went to a Presbyterian church. And eh, I just, that, that's not the type of church that I grew up in, and uh, neither of us were really feeling it. And <clears throat> after, we went to... Um, so we didn't do anything for a couple weeks. Then we visited her parents in Ohio, and we visited a church there that we had heard about that her grandparents went to, uh, that, her, that her grandparents attended. And when we went there, we thought, man, this, I wish we could take this church and put it over in Maryland. And so we looked it up, and it was an independent Baptist church. And so we started looking for an independent Baptist church. 
and we found Hunt Valley Baptist Church. It wasn't here. It was in the storefront over on Timonium Road. But after that first Sunday, I, I'll be honest, the, after the first week, we enjoyed it. We loved it. It was great. After that first week, probably towards the end of the week, it was kind of a question like, are we going to go back? You know, at least in my, in my heart. But for Laura, she was like, no, we're going to go back. You know, that, that, that's where we're going to be. And we've been here ever since, since February of 2007. And we got saved and we got baptized and we became members of the church and we got planted. And how important it is to be planted in the house of God. Being planted leads to fruitfulness. If you're planted, a tree is going to bear fruit. The psalm here is referring to the palm tree, the fruit that is part of that is a date. Now this date and the date palm in the scriptures, the date palms were used for so many things. There was amazing uses for it. But understand that the primary purpose of a tree is to provide fruit. If you're planted in the house of the Lord, you ought to be bearing fruit. Fruitful gives the idea of multiplying. You ought to be multiplying and sharing the truth of the word of God with other people. Also, obviously, the clear implication here is the fruit of the Spirit. How important is the fruit of the Spirit? That fruit, if you're planted, if you're bearing fruit, if you're a Christian that is bearing fruit in the house of God, you're bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. What is that fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These things should be coming forth from the tree that's planted in the house of God. There's another little interesting thing here in this passage. Verse 13 talks about, or verse 14 talks about bringing forth fruit, but it also talks about bringing forth fruit in old age. There's an amazing thing at our church that we have a good spread, a good spectrum of folks that are older and folks that are younger and everything in between and how important it is for, for you older folks that are here to, that have been saved for 30, 40, 50 years still serving God. Now understand, the date palm the older the date palm is, the sweeter the dates that it brings forth. And that application, I hope that you can see the importance of longevity and being planted and bearing fruit and continuing to bear fruit in old age. And the last part of that is they shall be fat and flourishing in verse 14. Being planted leads to fullness. Being planted leads to fullness. That word there, fat, gives us the idea of it's saturated. The reference here that it's talking about, for, especially for the tree, is it's, it's saturated within. It's, it's full. It it's, has all of its sap that it's supposed to have within. There's not anything lacking within that tree. And how important it is that if we're planted, if we're, if we're planted in the house of God... There is a fullness or a satisfaction that comes in that. 
And so if we're in a healthy church and we're planted in the house of God, that leads to fullness. That feeling of satisfaction, not to the, you know, not fat. We have a negative connotation of the word fat, but fat here is, uh, is, is, is positive. It means it's satisfied. And that's okay coming from the fat guy, right? That's all right. The idea, another word here is fresh. It's a fresh tree. It's a healthy tree. There's fullness in that tree. So being planted leads to fullness. I'll mention this as well. The, what's interesting about this palm tree uh, that I was reading as I was studying, the heart of most trees, that means that middle, is the most dry, and in most trees it's actually dead. And that's, that's the part that gives the, the, the tree its stability and straightness is the heart of it. But the heart of the palm tree is alive. The life of a palm tree comes from within. And how interesting it is, this, this idea here that if we're planted in the house of God, the, the tree that we're referring to, that analogy of the palm tree and that we should be a, a, like a palm tree we are made alive from within by the Holy Spirit of God. That's what's within us. That's what's alive. And that idea there is that, and even that heart of the palm tree still keeps it straight, still keeps that, that tree healthy, still allows it to, gives it that flexibility in those storms to bend, but it's not going to break. Now, when we stop about and think about that, that last verse is the purpose that it's talking about here. To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Our church has the, the, the trees that are represented by the people that are planted in the house of God can be a display of a fruitful tree. It's like a tree museum for God. And I guess there's a technical term for that that's called an arboretum. But the tree, how important is that? Think about that. On our couples retreat, for the last several years, we've gone up to Hershey. And at Hershey, they have this one area, and many times we we get a free ticket to go to the Hershey Gardens, which has uh, multiple trees and plants uh, up in that area that are well taken care of and established. And uh, it's, it's a ticket to go to a place that you can look at the beautiful trees. And I don't know how many of you appreciate doing that. Uh, it's something, I grew up in the city, all right? I grew up in the city, uh, uh, and that's in, in California. And I have gained and grown in my appreciation of looking at a beautiful tree. There's not a lot of trees in California, but I guess there's some palm trees as well. But how important it is to be able to look. And you can walk around, and you can look at trees, some that are health, that are tall, but you can make observations about them. Like, and many times we do. We look and we say, oh, that one's not healthy. It looks like there's some disease right here. Or... You know, we can appreciate how beautiful the trees are uh, over at the Ag Center or on the property. There's those maple trees that line those walkways. 
how beautiful it is to, to observe and to appreciate those beautiful trees. And when we stop and we think about this passage here, it talks about that. Those trees, why is it important? Why is it important that they're, they're flourishing and that these trees are vibrant and that they're bearing fruit and that they're beautiful? Because verse 15 says, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Our lives and the environment that we have here in the house of God and the establishment as trees within the house of God, those can be a display. Our healthiness as trees has the ability to bring glory to God, to show forth God's righteousness. And so as we look at that, consider and, and, and think about that, how can I bring glory to God through my life here at church? So I go back to that question that I asked a moment ago. Where are you planted? How, where are you planted? If you're not planted in the house of God, I would encourage you to do that. There may be an unease or a reason. Maybe you want to be planted out in the world. Maybe you want to be planted out somewhere else in some other things. But when we stop and we look at what the scripture is talking about here, about how beautiful it is to be planted in the house of God so that we can bring glory to our Savior. So let's look at that last passage once again. Verses 12, hopefully you can follow along there through the end of the chapter. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him.